You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. An Edmonton man with connections to the Lower Mainland has been arrested and charged with sexual assault and child lowering. The 33-year-old also falsely claimed to be a member of the Catholic clergy. Ramina Dea explains what we're learning about the accused and how it may help uncover more victims. A fake priest, formerly from Langley, now facing serious charges in Edmonton in connection to two teen boys. 33-year-old suspect uh, Justin George Stephen Kloom was arrested and charged with a number of child exploitation-related offenses. The charges against Justin Kloom include sexual assault, child luring and extortion. Edmonton police crediting the mother of one of the teens for listening to her gut and contacting police after she noticed suspicious messages. Her son later disclosed that the contact was more than just an online friendship and included sexual uh, contact both online and in person. Police believe the second teen was extorted for sexual images online only. The Catholic Archdiocese of Edmonton horrified. He has never been ordained as a priest in the Catholic Archdiocese of Edmonton, nor is he on any list, official lists of priests in Canada or the United States. So clearly he is an imposter. Police don't believe Colum used the priesthood to lure the alleged victims. Investigators in Alberta now turning to BC for help. We recognize that there may be other victims, as the suspect had recently moved from the Langley, B.C. area back to Edmonton at the beginning of the year. Uh, these investigators are looking to speak to anyone who has information in either province or anywhere else. Langley RCMP said Colum is not known to them, adding that Edmonton police have not contacted them on this file. Mounties say no victims have been identified here, but they're encouraging anyone with information to come forward. Colum has been released on a number of conditions. He's scheduled to appear before a judge August 21st. Romina Dea, Global News. A senior citizen charged with two counts of second-degree murder made an appearance in court today. 73-year-old Leonard Landrick appeared via video link. Landrick is accused in the murders of 57-year-old Sandra McKinnis and 51-year-old Neil Croker. Both were found dead in their West End apartments on July 10th. Well, he was hospitalized initially. Um, my understanding is that he had some stab wounds. Um, and uh, I don't know this for sure, but uh, the indication is that they may have been self-inflicted. All I can tell you is that, uh, that um, he looked in rather tough condition when, when he was first arrested, and that's improved. Landrick has been remanded in custody until August 24th when a hearing date is expected to be set. Lower Mainlander is getting a taste of what it's been like in the interior of our province, waking up to some smoky skies this morning. The wildfire haze blown into Metro Vancouver, blanketing the coast and prompting some air quality advisories. Our Aaron MacArthur is on Cyprus tonight, where, Aaron, the difference is clear. Yeah, or not so clear, Chris. From here up at the lookout, you should be able to see Mount Baker quite clearly on a typical day. Today, nowhere near. You can barely make out Burnaby Mountain. And according to the experts, the hazy days of summer could last all week. The filtered light made for some eerie pictures this morning. And as thick smoke settled in across the lower Fraser Valley in Metro Vancouver, there are some concerns about air quality. For tourists, the only issue so far is the blocked view of the North Shore Mountains. Well, it hasn't had any effect on us yet. Oh, a little bit smoggy, but what can you do? 
<laughs> you know, we understand that, you know, it happens in Australia too. We get fires, we get smoke, it's just part of nature. The smoke so thick in the upper Fraser Valley, it's hard to believe the fires are still so far away. The smoke comes as a heat wave pushes in from the south. Temperatures expected to be above 30 degrees. All of this prompting doctors to warn people, especially those with underlying health concerns, to stay indoors. And people start to have neurological signs. So they, they start to uh, get dizzy and have difficulty walking, actually have difficulty uh, communicating. Some people can't stay inside. The Union Gospel Mission is providing water for people camped out on the sidewalks. The city of Vancouver has implemented its hot weather emergency plan. How's uh, these steps will include additional water fountains, the opening of cooling centers, and provision of water and sunscreen for homeless people at community centers. Meteorologists say the smoke is expected to linger until Friday. But as the mercury really starts to climb Wednesday and Thursday this week, the layer of smoke might actually moderate the effects of the heat wave. So we were forecasting uh, for temperatures to spike, record-breaking temperatures possibly to fall, especially for interior sections and stretching into the Fraser Valley. But with this layer of smoke that we're going to see hang on over the next couple of days, we will see the potential for temperatures moderating and possibly less record temperatures or records falling. Now, the particulate experts are concerned about is measured in parts per million. It's still in the single digits around Metro Vancouver. Climbs into the double digits out into the valley. It's 41 parts per million right now in the Chilliwack area. Health officials consider it a moderate risk when it hits 50. So still a ways to go, yet it's something everyone should watch as the week unfolds. Chris, Sophie? All right. Good morning. Thanks very much, Aaron. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell, we saw her in Aaron's package, joins us now with a look at where the smoke is coming from. Yvonne. It's coming from the interior, Chris, and I wanted to show you a satellite shot, and we can see that. So yesterday, the winds shifted out of the northeast, and we've got these outflow winds that have brought that smoke right across, and it's blanketing the entire south coast. Temperatures, we had mentioned, may moderate, but we are going to continue to see these hazy conditions towards the end of the week, potentially by Saturday, starting to see a break. Now, this is going to affect the temperatures. I'll have more some of those numbers coming up very shortly. Chris? We'll check in later. Thanks, Yvonne. And those soaring temperatures leading to an increase in demand for power. BC Hydro expects province-wide electricity demand to reach record-breaking highs this week. Typically during a heat wave, there is a spike in peak electricity demand as customers turn on fans and air conditioners to stay cool and refrigeration units work harder. Um, on Monday night, we did see the highest peak hourly demand of the entire summer when we hit 7,297 megawatts. That's about 444 megawatts higher than the previous Monday. To give you a little bit of context around that, it's the equivalent of running four Ruskin generating stations at one time at maximum capacity, so it's quite a bit of power. There are a number of ways you can cut back on electricity use and save money during the heat wave. Close the drapes and blinds. Shading windows can block out up to 65% of the heat. Position a fan by a window or door in the evening when temperatures are cooler, and that'll allow cool air in. Use a ceiling fan. They're the most efficient option for cooling. And hang your laundry to dry. Avoiding the dryer will keep unnecessary heat out of your house. Some fresh numbers on the wildfire situation in our province. Here's a look at where the fires are burning right now. There are currently 138 around B.C., 14 new fires since yesterday. There are 6,000 evacuees and more international assistance is arriving, including for the first time 101 or sorry, 108 firefighters from Mexico. Cost to date, 
$188 million. Meantime, the Caribou Regional District has issued an expanded evacuation order for northwest of Caribou, about 100 kilometers west of Quinell. The CRD also issuing an expanded evacuation alert. Further information can be found on the CRD Emergency Operations Facebook page and the website. A disturbing development in at least two wildfires burning in the province. Officials now determining not only are they human-caused, they were actually deliberately set. Our Nadia Stewart joins us live with more on this. And Nadia, the Knox fire in Kelowna, that's the latest to be identified as arson. And this comes as the RCMP launch a tip line in connection to that raging Elephant Hill fire. Yeah, that's right, uh, Sophie. People I spoke with today in Ashcroft believe that fire was human-caused. Now, the exact cause is still unknown, but RCMP are launching now that tip line, hoping someone saw something in and around the Ashcroft area on the night of July 6th that could aid their investigation. The moment he saw the smoke from his kitchen window, Mike Mastin grabbed his camera heading uphill to get a better look at the quickly moving wildfire, the one he'd heard about the night before on July 6th while listening in on the scanner. All we'd heard was what I heard on my scanner the night before, that there was a fire in Black Canyon, which is behind me. This turned into this, the Elephant Hill wildfire. It's exploded in size to almost 80,000 hectares, becoming the biggest and most challenging blaze so far this summer. BC Wildfire has figured out the fire's origin, though that detail still has not been publicly released. Locals tell Global News they believe the fire started somewhere along the train tracks. RCMP now launching a tip line to figure out exactly how the fire started. Mastin believes that could only mean one thing. It says to me that they think it was deliberately, deliberately set. I mean, most fires are human caused if there's no lightning, and there was no lightning that time. Police say they still don't know whether this fire was arson, as in the case of the Knox Mountain fire in Kelowna, or accidental. Then the next fork in the road, of course, is looking at it. A, if it's human cause, was it intentionally set or was it a, uh, an issue of carelessness? The fire's original name, the Ashcroft Reserve Fire, sparked frustration amongst local First Nation band members. Twelve homes were lost here. We've almost had fights around town because people accusing my band members of starting the fire, it's totally untrue. The fire's destructive and aggressive nature only fueling the push for answers. So the rumors that swirl around Ashcroft like the ash in the air can finally be put to rest. If somebody knows something, I think people should, somebody should phone. Well, well said. So who should they call if they do know something, Nadia? Well, we've got the number. We're going to put it up there on our screen. It is 1-855-685-8788. That is a dedicated tip line. The RCMP say if anyone knows anything, give them a call. Back to you, Sophie. Nadia Stewart for us in Ashcroft. A wildfire also prompting an evacuation alert in the East Kootenai. The alert involves 51 properties in the Island Pond area. The wildfire broke out about 12 kilometers south of Canal Flats on Sunday when a tree fell onto a power line. The firefighters, I think, are doing a tremendous job. I mean, the fire um, has at least been controlled. Um, I know it's spreading, but it has been controlled. Well, the wildfire is currently estimated at 650 hectares and 0% contained so far. 
Prime Minister Justin Trudeau making the rounds in Vancouver today discussing a number of hot-button issues. He kicked off his day right here on Global BC News Morning. And as Keith Baldry reports, among the topics discussed, the opioid crisis, softwood lumber, and U.S. President Donald Trump. A day after visiting wildfires in the interior, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau came to Vancouver to, among other things, meet the city's mayor. Issues like the opioid crisis were at the top of the agenda. I'm uh, very much uh, uh, looking forward to engaging with him on how we can continue to work together to address this, uh, this terrible, terrible epidemic. He didn't have much to say there, but earlier on Global's Morning News, he fielded a slew of questions on issues key to B.C., including the opioid crisis, where he ruled out decriminalizing them. Uh, we're not looking at uh, decriminalization or legalization of, of any other drugs other than uh, what we're doing uh, with marijuana to keep our kids safe. On softwood lumber, he reiterated a pledge to spend a lot of money addressing any prolonged layoffs resulting from the lack of a deal. We've actually already stepped up with an aid package uh, worth uh, over $800 million uh, that will kick in as, as needed. We, uh, we understand the impact on jobs, on local economies, on communities, on families. As for dealing with the chaos at the White House while he heads into NAFTA talks... Whether it's governors or uh, Congress uh, or, or uh, even uh, local, uh, local mayors and, and economic actors, we know that engaging constructively and substantively uh, to highlight how close and how unique the relationship between Canada and the United States is. And what about the Kinder Morgan pipeline, which he supports but which B.C. Premier John Horgan does not? That's one issue uh, amongst uh, many, many, many other things that we agree on. I have to say we've had a tremendously positive working relationship uh, since even before he was sworn in as premier. Finally, what about the Conservatives attacking him for his controversial appearance on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine? I'll let my opponents play political games. Uh, I'm focused on delivering for Canadians. Keith Baldry, Global News. Some good news for B.C. Ferries passengers heading to the southern Gulf Islands. The newest vessel is entering service early. The Salish Raven will start service on the Tawasan southern Gulf Islands route on Thursday. That's months ahead of schedule. It replaces the Queen of Nanaimo after that vessel had to be pulled from service yet again last week due to a mechanical failure. The company says it has worked hard to fast-track the Salish Raven into service to ensure smooth sailing for the remainder of the summer. Foreign buyer's tax is a legacy of the last Liberal government to cool Vancouver's hot housing market, but does it really work? A year later, the new NDP provincial government is taking a look at it and wondering if there aren't better ways to get people into affordable homes. What the new housing minister says about it in just over a minute. Political chaos in Venezuela, a video that looks like an arrest, but the victim's family says it's really an abduction. That's coming up. And a truck driver who probably wishes he had just waited a couple more seconds at a railway crossing. Later on the news hour. Well, it looks like the two major liberal programs that tackled the affordable housing crisis will be under review by the new NDP government. The new Democrats want to find out whether the foreign buyers tax and the first time home buyers loan program have really worked. Ted Trudecki reports. Tomorrow marks the one year anniversary for Vancouver's 15 percent foreign buyers tax. And the big question, has it had any impact on Vancouver's rising real estate prices? It worked very well for a while, and then um, 
my uh, my understanding is that the market is back at previous levels and in fact higher. One possible reason why prices are on the rise again in Vancouver is because of Toronto. A similar foreign buyer's tax was introduced less than four months ago throughout Ontario's Greater Golden Horseshoe region. And like Vancouver, buyers stopped buying, waiting to see how the market would play out. Uh, both cities have the same tax or similar tax, then um, some of those uh, buyers would flow back to Vancouver. So now the new NDP government in BC is saying everything's up for review. The foreign buyers tax, the interest-free first-time buyers program, even vacancy taxes. But most of all, it wants to ramp up supply. The real key focus that uh, we have to really uh, stress is the importance of bringing more housing online, working with those partners. Some housing critics say the real problem isn't willing partners, it's red tape. The Greater Vancouver Home Builders Association estimates 20% of the cost of every residential property built goes to taxes and permit fees of one form or another. Not to mention how that also slows down the whole building process. Tetranaki Global News. Former BC Liberal leader Gordon Wilson has been fired by the NDP from his lucrative job to promote the liquefied natural gas industry. The New Democrats say Wilson has been paid more than half a million dollars since October of 2013, but they say they can't find any written reports outlining what he's done. Wilson's firing comes one week after energy giant Petronas cancelled the Pacific Northwest LNG mega project. For his part, Wilson says... He wasn't hired to write reports, and he has briefing notes of his oral reports to the government. What's killing sheep on Vancouver Island? That's where it killed it. One farmer thinks she knows, but finding the culprit hasn't been easy. And a widespread kidnapping scam stretching from Vancouver to China. How it works and who it's targeting next. The RCMP and other police agencies are warning about a virtual kidnapping scam that tricks victims into believing their loved ones are in danger. Our consumer reporter Andrea has the details, and this scam targets children and their parents. That's right. It's a disturbing scam. Thanks, Sophie. RCMP say since July 23rd, six female Chinese nationals attending school in the greater Vancouver area have been targeted. There are similar scams being reported right now worldwide, and there are reports this type of scam is on the rise. Police here say Chinese students in Canada are initially contacted through an automated phone message or a telephone call from someone claiming to be from a police department in China or pretending to be a Chinese official and told their personal information has been compromised and now they're under investigation in China. A number of demands are, are placed on them and they are told that uh, should they not comply that their family members in China will be harmed. Simultaneously, their family members uh, in China are also contacted and told that uh, their daughters or loved ones here in the Lower Mainland uh, are being uh, held against their will or are in trouble and that um, uh, a, a sum of money has to be paid in exchange for them to be freed. 
The Mounties also say they're working with other police agencies and the Consulate General of the People's Republic of China in Vancouver, which wants students to know that should any Chinese citizens be involved in any legal cases in China, relevant legal documents will be mailed to them directly from Chinese diplomatic missions. The RCMP is urging anyone who's been a victim of this type of scam to contact police or Crime Stoppers. If you have a consumer issue for me, you can always reach me. There's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Thank you very much, Anne. Farmers in the Machosan area west of Victoria say they're losing sheep to a single killer bear. Up to 20 sheep have been killed so far, but as Nitu Garcha reports, so far they've had no success catching the predator. Just close to the road. That's where it killed it. The dead, disfigured sheep was found just a few meters away. A scary sight for Machosan resident Lorraine Buchanan. I would say that is about 20 feet from a fence line and a main road. She believes a bear is to blame. It's been in carports. It actually went into a barn up on Saddleback Road and took a sheep out of the barn and killed it. We've had troubles with bears for five years roughly. And this year the problem is unique because the black bear is not like the others. This bear doesn't come back to the kill so he's harder to catch. Parry Bay farm owners say over the last six weeks they've lost nine sheep all believed to be from bear attacks but with a total of nearly 1,000 sheep keeping track can be a challenge and they say the number of those lost could well be even higher. I think it's more like 15. Officials say more than 20 sheep on various local farms have been killed in recent weeks. We've lost her as a breeding unit, so next year she would have two lambs because that's what we average. Each one of those is worth $250. But early efforts to track the bear were hampered by some residents urging others not to report sightings. We set up the traps, the trail cameras, try to get an idea of what the behavior is, where the bear is, what it's doing, but we're not getting anything. It's not coming back ever. Conservation officers say the dry spell could be impacting bears' food sources. Anybody who's got livestock needs to try to take some steps to protect their livestock, whether it's keeping them in at night, uh, having electric fencing in the fields where they're at, having dogs to protect them, that sort of thing. All to prevent any more discoveries like this and to avoid any run-ins with the culprit themselves. It is a little unnerving walking through the bush if you figure there's a bear there wanting to finish off whatever they're eating. Nitu Garcha, Global News, Machosen. Well, is this the beginning of the end of the company ID badge? It kind of freaks me out a little bit. Why one company is microchipping its employees and how they feel about it later. And the fist-bumping flyer video of a young airline passenger making friends goes viral. A woman posts video of her father being arrested in the middle of the night. In this case, the man being taken into custody is Venezuelan opposition leader and political prisoner Antonio Ledesma. Another video shows another opposition leader, Leopoldo Lopez, also being hauled out of his home last night. Now, those arrests, the latest in Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro's push to consolidate nearly unlimited power a plan that's generated international condemnation and sparked deadly riots in the streets. Tonight, Venezuela is a country in crisis after months of almost daily political unrest. Early this morning, state security swarmed the former mayor of Caracas's home. Shouts of dictator by his wife as the outspoken critic of Venezuela's president, Nicolas Maduro, was dragged away. 
also grabbed under cover of darkness opposition leader Leopoldo Lopez, who was released from jail almost a month ago. The Venezuelan Supreme Court saying both men violated their house arrests by criticizing the government on social media. Lopez recorded this video telling his wife, make it public if rearrested. He says, I'm in prison for my ideas, in prison because I want a better Venezuela. But the rearrest of opposition leaders last night is very alarming. Sunday's controversial vote in Venezuela seen as a move towards the consolidation of power in just one man, President Maduro. No me intimidan. The U.S. already targeting Maduro with financial sanctions, now threatening to limit some oil imports from the cash-strapped country. President Maduro, like his predecessor Hugo Chavez, blaming problems like poverty and crime in part on U.S. aggression. Tonight, Venezuela, a country with the largest oil reserves in the world, in economic and political chaos. Kerry Sanders, NBC News. Well, this next story is a case of work getting under your skin, literally. The traditional company ID badge taking a high-tech step at an office in Wisconsin where chips are being implanted in employees on a voluntary basis. Ron Mott reports. Todd Westby might just have a hand in shaping the future. The CEO of vending machine maker Three Square Market literally opening doors with automation that's turning some workers into high-tech machines of sorts. This is a lot more than just some sort of novelty to you. It is. It's reality. With all of the interest we've seen in it, I can tell this is definitely the future. By injecting a rice-sized microchip into a willing employee's hand, all kinds of data can be programmed into them, from driver's licenses and medical ID cards to logging onto computers. You have to hold it up to something such as this. Even purchasing snacks in the company break room. More than 50 employees have volunteered. How much did that hurt? Didn't really hurt a lot. A third holding off for now. It kind of freaks me out a little bit. Some experts suggest caution. Among the concerns, ID theft, health, and whether the chips can be tracked by GPS. Most people don't really understand how this technology works, what data is collected, how it's stored, or who might be able to get access to it legally or illegally. Three Square says their employees cannot be tracked by satellite. Melissa Timmons was skeptical, but is now chipped. Yeah, right now it's only to buy a candy bar and get in our building, but there's a lot more that's going to be, be coming with it. Chips off the new block. I'll choose to pay with my hand here. Cool and technology once again hand in hand. Ron Mott, NBC News, River Falls, Wisconsin. Not sure about it. <laughs> Jury's out here at Global. Now for our daily snake report. Seems that way, doesn't it? <laughs> Some remarkable video out of Australia of a very unique office emergency. Not just remarkable for the emergency, but for the almost nonchalant way the staff dealt with it. Jeez, it's not small. No, it is not small. That is a snake found its way into the offices of an Australian news channel. Turns out the program manager has handled snakes in the past, so she calmly caught it with a coat hanger and released it outside the newsroom. Safe to say the reaction in the global newsroom would be a little different. And while we're on the subject of creepy things and health matters tonight, a new top 10 list out to make your skin crawl. According to pest removal company Orkin, Toronto is the capital of Canada for bed bugs. Winnipeg and Vancouver come in at second and third place. And rounding out the top 10 cities, Ottawa, St. John's, Edmonton, Halifax, Sudbury, Scarborough and Calgary. 
A single bed bug can lay up to 10 eggs in one day and up to 500 in their lifetime. And they can survive more than a year without feeding. So how do you prevent them? Vacuum regularly, keep bedrooms clean, and thoroughly inspect sleeping areas for any sign of the insects. <clears throat> Breathe deeply. <laughs> Still to come, you've got to be tough to rule the track. Pound for pound, I say they're about as, you know, as strong an athlete as there is. The lighter, the better for jockeys, but how some put their health on the line to win. And an impatient truck driver who wishes he had waited. Coming up. More insight. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with breaking news. An arrest has been made. More context. Disturbing undercover video came to light revealing the alleged abuse. Of More community. Warning today from search and rescue officials after two hikers were pulled off Mount Beautiful. More in-depth. The biggest price being paid by Surrey in bullets and in blood. More stories. More issues. More news. Global News. We are BC's News. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Well, no one can blame the guy for getting a little impatient, waiting for a long train to go by. But after the forecast, a lesson for all of us in the value of just waiting a couple of more seconds. <laughs> Coming up. <laughs> all right. Uh, meteorologist Yvonne Shell, anti-Yvonne, as we did mention last night. That you're right. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Officially anti-Yvonne for the first time. So congratulations, congratulations to my brother, Marcus, and his wife, Christina. And I'm extremely thrilled, as everyone in the newsroom knows. All right. Thanks so much and good evening, everyone. A different weather picture out there in comparison to what we were seeing yesterday. where We did see the mountains and we did see uh, the lions, but we've got that local uh, layer of uh, smoke rather that is right across the entire uh, south coast for today and continue over the next little while. 22 with a northwesterly wind at 20 kilometers per hour. High today at 22, but inland. It was a hot one for Abbotsford, still touching at 29 degrees and even hotter, continuing to see this leading into our Friday. In interior sections today with temperatures into the low 30s, 35 for Lillooet. Coastal sections for Victoria today topping out at 26 degrees and Prince George up to 25. Ridge of high pressure will be the dominant feature that we're seeing and that will continue to bring in the heat. It could moderate slightly though and I'll show you that with your three-day forecast depending on where you are and that's what we're keeping a close eye on as we're seeing that layer of smoke for the southern half of the province and the south coast. For the piece today or tomorrow rather some fog for the morning hours dissipating with the high of 26 degrees 23 on Thursday white horse underneath cloud cover tomorrow brightening up Thursday Friday with highs of 22 and 25 degrees coastal sections tomorrow at 20 inland will be closer to 30 degrees staying similar for your Thursday Friday and here's where we're seeing the heat picking up caribou and central interior up to 29 degrees on Thursday average for this time of the year at 24 Columbia and Kootenai region seeing temperatures on Thursday Friday with highs of 38 degrees average sits at 20 most spots for the tops in Okanagan were tracking that widespread smoke, but a range in temperatures between 33 tomorrow up to 35 degrees for Soyuz and continuing to see the heat for Thursday, Friday. Most spots near Whistler will be at 32 degrees. Pemberton tomorrow seeing that range up to 37 degrees, 35 as we look ahead towards your Friday. And along the island in the water, it is going to be cooler tomorrow at 25 degrees. Inland sections or by the water still will be closer to 29 and then stretching up to 35. 
54 degrees. We will continue to see the special air quality advisory in effect with that smoke across the region, likely dissipating Friday and towards our Saturday. But the peak of the heat right now will be Thursday, Friday, with inland sections still into the low 30s. Birthday announcement this evening going out to Woodrow Severson from Ladner celebrating 100. So congratulations to you. A great shot was taken uh, from Claude. And this is from Mount Revelstoke National Park. Great aerial shot and a great spot to take the view to. Guys? Bright red Adirondack chair. Just makes it. <laughs> Lazy days of summer in that chair. <laughs> That's right. It's always a good idea to wait until the entire train has passed before being on your way. Take a look at this video posted in Russia. It is a true example at that point. The driver of a truck carrying a piece of heavy equipment is a little too eager to get going. The person who posted the video says the driver got away with minor injuries, although we're thinking he had some explaining to do when he got back to the trucking company. Yikes. Well, with all the terrible things that have been happening on commercial flights recently, it's not surprising that this next video is getting so much positive attention. An enthusiastic two-year-old making sure everyone's flight gets off to the right start. NBC's Rahima Ellis has the story. Of all the things a toddler could do on an airplane, two-year-old Guy Yakubovich chose to do this. Who wants to fist pump you? Let's do it. His mom, Aliyah, took cell phone video of them going to their seats on a Southwest flight from Kansas City, Missouri, heading home to Raleigh after visiting Grandma. Guy reached out to fist bump every passenger. Say hi to everyone. The warm response prompted mom to write Instagram and Facebook posts that have since gone viral. Aaliyah says Guy learned how to fist bump about six months ago and hasn't stopped. I think it's his way of connecting with people. You know, he's not a big hugger. He's not a big kisser. But a solid fist bump, he's more than confident to give that up. It's a sharp contrast to those other disturbing airline videos. You know the ones that have gone viral and made all of us wonder, what in the world is going on? But now there's this. (laughs) There is something special about a kid's fist bump. When the Bruins' championship hopes were on thin ice, the image of a young cancer survivor fist-bumping the team became an online sensation. Gotta reach up high for me. All right. Now, a little boy lifting the spirits of a plane full of weary travelers and all of the rest of us going along for the ride. Rahima Ellis, NBC News, New York. He's so cute. Cute kid with a cute laugh. Cute kid. Cute kid. And to, your, to the newest cute yeah. kid in your family. <laughs> exactly. Congratulations Thank to your you. brother, as you mentioned. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, all right, Squires here. We also we always say, well, we'll get to it in a minute. What's that? Go, no, I was going to no, say, no. we always say you look like a jockey, but I'm going to spoil the surprise. So. We always Well, actually, you know that. what? I, I do look like one. You Let's put like it this way. Let's put it this way. Jockeys are the only athletes who admire my body. <laughs> if I walk into a football dressing room or hockey, it's like, we don't want to look like you. But jockeys, oh, look at that yeah, guy. Yeah, look at that guy. Yeah. Uh, Lions receiver Chris Williams is finally healthy. We can make teams pay when we get those situations that are one-on-one. And he means the Lions just got a whole lot faster. And back to the jockey top. Squire blends right in with the jockeys. Find out what it takes to win in the sport of kings. All right, we'll talk horse racing and jockeying later. All that sort of thing. What you got now? 
Uh, right now, I got football. Lots of it. I'll start with the Lions because Saturday, and this is usually a fun game because the Saskatchewan partisans show up. It's kind of like when Montreal and Toronto comes to play the Canucks. When Saskatchewan comes to play the Lions, all these Saskatchewan fans show up. Anyway, at that game on Saturday night, football fans will be treated to both a game of football and possibly a track meet because Chris Williams of the Lions is finally healthy, meaning BC now has two speedsters in him and Chris Rainey. Neither of them is that big. They're all about flight rather than fight. And as we have seen when he has played elsewhere in the CFL, Chris Williams can look like the flash if given just enough blocking in front of him. You're the big signing, but yet it's, it's taken a while for us to see you. It's always a grind, but yeah, for sure. Um, like you said, man, I came over and uh, there's big things expected and uh, expectations are high for this unit and for this team. And, and I'm, I'm happy now that I get a chance to be a part of it. And Chris Williams can be a big part of the BC Lions. A year ago, he lit up opposing secondaries to the tune of over 1,200 receiving yards. As far as deep threats go, he's one of the CFL's best. The thing that's obvious with him is his speed. Uh, his speed and quickness, and that's you know that's a concern coming off an injury, but you still see it. You still see the burst, his ability to not just start, but to stop, to run fast and stop. Williams can turn on the afterburners and leave defenders in the dust, but he's been parked on the sidelines for BC's first six games after off-season ACL surgery. Well, I think you have to, as you said, monitor all players. Uh, you know, especially with a guy that's come off a major surgery. You know, it's uh, now been. Uh, you know, eight and a half, nine months. So, you know, structurally he's fine. I think, uh, you know, uh, as far as his game condition, that that's another issue altogether. Where do you see yourself fitting in? Uh, just another playmaker, another guy that can go out there and, and create havoc for the defense, give him another face to worry about. And the Lions announced today they are adding two names to their wall of fame before their August 18th home game against Calgary. Former Lions defensive lineman, Brent Johnson, he's the all-time team leader in quarterback sacks, winner of the Outstanding Canadian and Outstanding Defensive Player Awards in 2006. He'll go on the wall, as will, I love this guy, Carl Kidd, one of the greatest trash talkers the CFL has ever heard. And for those who forgot how good he was at it, we found this in the library. Listen. Our linebacker make plays on special teams. We kill y'all, 21-3. Now get off to the sideline. Hurry up, too. Hey, hey, really? You see? I said, boy, I'm inside your head now. You might not complete another pass. That guy was great. <laughs> uh, the man who puts the boom in the Seahawks Legion of Boom has a new contract. Safety Cam Chancellor signed a three-year deal with Seattle this morning. It's worth $36 million, 25 of which is guaranteed. He is 29 years old now, best defensive player the Seahawks have. And it also means a legion of boom stays together for a while longer. Like a machine. If, if that, that one bolt is missing or that, that one part of the machine is missing, then it just doesn't function properly. So, you know, we're like a machine. And when we're all on the field, we're, we're just like a dominant force. So having us all together is, is uh, the, you know, the best, is the best we can do. And that's the best we can play is with everybody up there. Last night, Jays, White Sox. Watch this. Yo Mankata. Willie Garcia, call for it, somebody. Garcia caught it, lost it. This allowed three runs to score. The Jays still lost anyways, but look at this. Knee right to the head. Garcia, no surprise, is on concussion protocol now, seven-day disabled list, and he's got a strong head because Mankata 
has a bruised knee from this exchange Double as well. Big man colliding oh. in the outfield. Moncada still. Was he knocked? Out. He was knocked out briefly. Yeah, he was knocked out briefly, but then he was up, and they checked him out and thought, you know what, you better go Herb have Snyder a seat, continues son. To and he will be out for a little Garcia. while. Steph Curry hits long-range shots for the Golden State Warriors. This week, he'll need to hit both long shots and short ones because he's going to be playing in a Web.com Tour event, which is the tour right below the PGA. He's a good golfer. He was given a sponsor's exemption this week. It's an event that's in the San Francisco area. Betting sites are actually taking wagers on Curry, and most people are betting he will not make the cut. He himself knows that making the cut is a long shot, and don't worry, golf aficionados, he knows the difference between playing in the NBA Finals and playing in this event. I highly doubt I'll hit a good shot, drop my club, and go chest bump my playing partner. <laughs> um, so that'll be a different story. But like I said, at the end of the day, you want to hit good shots, you want to make putts, and you want to enjoy your round the best you can. There you go. He's got a nice swing. He's got a nice swing. Well, usually baseball players are great golfers and hockey players because... Yeah. They always remember Charles Barkley. Well, he's golf, a little right? better That's than Charles Barkley. Better than that. Okay. Yeah, he's than Charles Barkley. <laughs> Thanks very much, Squire. Here's Jay Durant now with a preview of Global News at 11, including, Jay, a lost dog that survived the wildfire near Williams Lake. Yeah, that's right, Chris. The search is on for the dog's owner. More on that in just a moment. But first, it's been exactly two weeks since 13-year-old Marissa Shen was last seen in Burnaby. Hours later, she was murdered in a random attack. With her killer still on the loose, the community remains on edge. We will have reaction tonight. And as you mentioned, the missing dog. Does anyone recognize this four-legged friend? She survived the wildfires near Williams Lake and emerged from the evacuation zone during an RCMP check yesterday, hoping to find out who she belongs to. We'll have those stories and more ahead on Global News at 11. Chris. Bit of a boost to the folks on the front lines out there. Thanks very much, Jay. And I'm sure we'll find her family. Mm-hmm. All right, up next, jockeying for a job at the track. What you have to lose in order to win. Coming up on ET Canada, Halle Berry opens up about the terrifying moment her daughter went missing, plus TV previews of Stranger Things and Superior Donuts. That's coming up at 7 right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to Chris and Sophie. All right. Thank you very much, Cheryl. Okay, so being a jockey is not an easy job. This is not just get on a horse and hope you don't fall off. There mm-hmm. is a lot of athleticism to it. There's a lot of things you've got to do. You've got to make the weight, and that's one of the toughest things. And I'm going to explain to you just how you do that. You may not think of it this way, but horse racing really is a team sport. There are two athletes working together, the horse and the jockey. And yes, the jockeys are athletes in the truest sense. If you're not fit, it's dangerous. I mean, you're on a thousand pound animal and you have to be strong enough and fit enough to go the whole trip. Pound for pound, I say they're about as, you know, as strong an athlete as there is. Pound for pound. Truer words have never been spoken because weight watching is a big part of the job. Yeah, I think that's the hardest thing about doing this is trying to lose weight. I mean, there's other dangers, but if you don't lose the weight, you can't ride. Most jockeys are under 120 pounds because over the course of a race, less weight on a horse's back is better. So if you can have a light rider, you know, get in really light with a, with a talented rider, then, you know, you, you definitely have an advantage. And that means jockeys know more about losing weight than Jenny Craig. The most I've ever lost was 11 pounds in one day as an apprentice. <laughs> 
That wasn't very good, but I made it through it and I rode my races, but uh, that was really hard. On an average, I can lose four to six pounds in a day within an hour, hour and a half. But I, I've trained my body to do it. It's, it's taken a long time. If you ate normally, how much would you weigh? I think I'd probably get about 35. 135? Yeah. What are you now? I'm 118. And how do they lose the weight? Through sauna or a hot tub or um, dress up in a sauna suit and go ride horses. Some guys will do that. You can lose a lot of weight doing that. What are they thinking? They're not letting me see her anymore. I know. The lowest I'll ever go is 114. And so that's where I'm on the verge of being not quite mentally there like when you start losing that much liquid your brain's not working functioning properly <laughs> and you don't want to be in a trap with other guys whose no, brain yeah. no no and we watch that we police it too so we're trying to make sure everybody's safe out there oh my goodness that's a skill in itself it's amazing oh, this man. bill to drop